listening to the Up and Under podcast, starting in 3, 2, 1. Yo, what's up, guys? Welcome to the Up and Under podcast. I'm your host, Hani. Joined with me, as always, is Zeeshan. Yo. All right, man. We are officially in the offseason. Now, we are in October, so it's kind of a... Bro, this is weird, man. To say offseason in October... Uh, Take in. We would have had... Uh, Tip uh, the NBA season would have tipped off this week. <laughs> Sad days, bro. Yeah, man, the coronavirus has not been kind, especially to the sports world. But at least we still have the off season. At least we we still see the craziness. It's just not going to be on July first anymore. Um, but yeah, we thought now that we're in the off season, it's time to continue our off season outlooks for teams. And this time, now that we've covered all the boring teams, the teams that are kind of trash and garbage. I think it's time to take on take a look at some of the interesting teams, you know, the teams with a, like who are contending teams that are also have a ton of free agents, and you know, kind of break off break down. I think more teams. more teams with more immediate aspirations. I think would be yeah yeah that's the that's a better, better way, way to word it. Definitely a better way to put it. And two teams that honestly have different. I think they have different aspirations, but ultimately they're very two very good run franchises. I think they're. Somewhere on the same trajectory, but just in different ways. I guess, yeah. I mean, again, they're both well-run organizations. And we're talking about the Toronto Raptors and the Oklahoma City Thunder. Both teams have great, you know, presidents and general managers. And, like, so Masai Ujiri, Sam Presti. And both teams have have very, like, I mean, different but similar trajectories, I would say. Um, thing in common for both teams is that... They're both very well structured organizations, yeah. you know, starting from top down ownership and then obviously presidency, you know, the organization. And then obviously we see that trickle down effect to the players as well. And not to mention, both teams had really great seasons this past year. The Raptors obviously finishing second in the Eastern Conference, number two in the league, actually. Uh, then we have the Oklahoma City Thunder exceeding everybody's expectations, becoming a five seed and, you know, doing. Honestly, showcasing a very promising future. I think both teams are very overachieving for most fans. Yeah, no, for sure. I think just because like the Raptors lost Kawhi Leonard, uh, Oklahoma City lost Russell Westbrook and Paul George, and yeah, they both overachieved. But now they both teams have a lot of questions heading into the offseason with a lot of notable free agents and different avenues and direction that they can take. Obviously, with you know, with this year's free agency and years to come, actually. So let's jump right in. Let's jump right in. We'll start with the Toronto Raptors, obviously, because you know, Canadian. We kind of, we kind of have to. We gotta rep Toronto. Bro. We have to. Like, you know what it is. It's, it's just six side. Exactly. So the Raptors, obviously, just mentioned number finished second in the Eastern Conference, second best record in the league. In the league, uh, unfortunately, we're bounced in seven games by the Boston Celtics. A hard fought seven games. Credit to both teams again. They played. It was well. it was a great, great series. Very good series, yeah. Uh, obviously Boston won, so it's kind of sucks, <laughs> you know. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, the Celtics they were they were the better team sli- slightly. If we're talking by one game, one game, bro, by like a couple minutes. Yeah, a couple like minutes. You're... Let's be yeah. If Kyle Lowry wasn't gassed, we we wouldn't be this depressed. If Marcus Smart had not gone that one block on Norman Paul. Again, bro, credit Marcus Smart. That was an insane block. Yeah. But the Raptors... I mean, ultimately, it was a pretty good season for the Toronto Raptors. I mean, despite, you know, losing Kawhi, losing Danny, 
to finish second in the league, in the league and in the Eastern Conference, great. Like it's a, it was a great testament to how good this team was. But now they have a ton of questions, and the first question they have is about their free agents. They have a lot of notable free agents. The first of which, the probably the biggest one, is Fred Van Vliet. He is going to be a free agent this this offseason, and he's going to command a significant raise. Uh, not to mention, there's according to reports, mostly he will probably command in the ballpark of like the Malcolm Brogdon money. Yeah, so we're which talking like makes, twenty million. Per. Yeah, which makes sense for him. Uh, honestly, I feel like if the cap wasn't gonna be you know lower this year, I think he could have gotten easily gotten more. Honestly, possibly on the open market. Uh, obviously, we got um, the other two free agents. Uh, Marcus All, he's gonna be an unrestricted free agent. Sergi Baca is an unrestricted free agent. Uh, another notable, I mean, I guess notable if we're really classifying it as notable. I mean, he was a rotation player. He so. was a rotation piece, uh, and he was depth. It was Rondé Hollis Jefferson is the last notable name, but the big, the, the three major ones: Van Vliet, Ibaka, and Gasol. That is big, man. I mean, it's part, a huge part of the core, honestly. The thing is about okay, obviously, everything. I think the rest of the guys, the three guys we just named after Fred Van Vliet, all of their contract situations will depend on Fred Van Vliet. Yeah. I guess maybe not Rondé and Marcus Hall, because Marcus Hall at this stage in his career is either, you know, going to take that small contract in the NBA or possibly he'll go to Europe or third option, just retire. Um, he does have those options. And obviously, Rondé Hollis Jefferson is kind of, he is what he is and he'll probably get a similar sort of contract they got from the Raptors. I mean, Either on the Raptors or somewhere Yeah, I don't else. know if he's in, if it's going to be on the Raptors next year. But what I will say this is that the my question mark is Serge. Because Serge, honestly, despite many his age and people saying that, you know, the Raptors maybe shouldn't sign him, the fact of the matter is he's been playing his best ball these last couple of seasons. I mean, this season was his best season a as career a Career year. Career year for Serge Ibaka. We think about Serge Ibaka's On downhill. off the court. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we think about his downhill trajectory from OKC and everyone thinks, oh, he got worse and he, he got older as he left OKC. The truth of the matter is that he's at the best he ever was right now. Yeah. That's, you know, I guess most people don't think about that way. Because of the fact that Serge Ibaka isn't the, you know, shot blocker that he once was. And obviously, it's the switch to from power forward to center that really kind of, like, gave him that extra longevity to his career. Yeah. But credit to Serge. I mean, like, he really stepped up and morphed his game to playing the center position full-time, you know, swapping minutes with Gasol, being a, sometimes being a starter, sometimes coming off the bench. Sometimes playing with Gasol. Sometimes even playing with Gasol. Talking about Marc Gasol, I think he's also a very interesting option yeah. because of the fact that you saw last year in the championship run how important of a piece he was. He's, yeah. The problem was this year we saw his age really hit him. Now, again, that does have to do with the fact that he played continuous basketball from June on. And it right? wasn't really in, defensively in his job. Yeah, like he, Marcus all played a lot of ball. And we mentioned this actually heading into the season. You know, how healthy and how fresh is Marcus all going to be? Like, I think he missed... He got injured, right? Midway through the he, year. He was, in, he was in and out of the lineup. He was for, nicked up, man. Yeah. Like, and, and the problem is, again, he is old at this point. He's on his last couple of years in the league. He's still very effective. But obviously, you saw this season... His dip in effectiveness from that 2019 run, I don't think it's not. It's, it wasn't there as much, which begs the question of if we're able to retain 
um, Serge Ibaka, would he now step into that permanent starting role? Starting role, role yeah. Well, again, <laughs> that's another question. But I think what, the thing with Mark is that it wasn't really a big drop-off defensively. It was a drop-off offensively that really killed him. Like, in the Boston series, we mentioned this, you know, when, you know, after the second round, was just how Mark got to a point where he was just unplayable because he just wasn't producing on offense and his value defensively wasn't overcoming that gap. And, you know, the the, the reality is it, the age is catching up to him. Listen, Marcus Gasol is never the biggest, you know, offensive trucker, like, at all. Like, this guy, you know, even at times, even in Memphis where he was the star player, you'd have to force him to put some shots up sometimes. Um, Plus, he had support. Like, he had guys like Mike Conley, you know, Zach Randolph in, in, the, in his heyday. The truth is, when you're not making even the shots that you used to, and you're not a player that takes many shots as it is, your offensive impact is not going to be there. The thing about Marcus Hall is that his passing and screen setting was so great. But again, if you're just not able to put the ball in the basket at all, nothing you do will be able to overcome that. Dude, the one thing, like the the one image that I just see of Mark and his offensive struggles is when he missed that layup in, in yeah, against Boston. Exactly. Dude, we were watching that game. Like, we were watching that game together. And we just see Mark miss out. And Mark was mad at himself. And you can visibly see the frustration. Because, you know, when you can't even make a layup and when you're wide open, like... Dude. I think we can go back to Fred Van Vliet for, like, a, a, a minute or two. Um, I think his situation, obviously, he's one of the top free agents. He deserves of, to get paid. If not, is he the top free agent of this year's class? Obviously, Anthony Davis is there, but we know Anthony Davis is going to be I mean, it really depends on, like, DeMar, DeMar opting out. If Gordon Hayward opts out, which it's probably not going to happen. But we'll, is we'll Fred VanVleet better than those guys? Possibly. You can make an argument. You can make an argument. <laughs> you, Either way, he's a very he's a top of the end free agent in this year's class, definitely. especially um, due to the lack of competition that he actually has. Obviously, everyone is geared towards next free agency. Well, um, plus, the way he played, his yeah. performance was the is the reason for that. The fact that this guy was an undrafted player like three years ago, and worked his way up to be a starting caliber point guard in this league. Despite being undersized, you know. for the Raptors' point of view, obviously we we know what he represents for the Raptors. Yeah. Um, he's the heir apparent to Kyle Lowry. Put much many similarities between the two. They're basically the same player. That's yeah, except real. Kyle Lowry, I think is a bit more athletic. He's pretty athletic much. for those he, screen, for those charges, man. <laughs> like he's he's you know he's a bit more verticality wise. He's a bit better. Two um, inches taller. Uh. <laughs> But I think um, I think from other teams' perspective too. Namely, we've seen the reports about New York, Detroit. We talked about those teams. Teams um, with money. With you know, in our previous off-season outlook episodes, yeah. um, teams who need a point guard, teams with money who will throw that money at a guy like Fred VanVleet and hope that you know the not just how good of an on-court player he is, but also the off-court presence he has, and and the the type of guy that he is will help change gradually change the culture with that championship experience that he has playing with a guy like Kyle Lowry mm-hmm. um, so I think he he's a very big question mark obviously as a Raptors fan I would love to see him resign but again it does come that. down to the fact that everyone's geared towards the 2021 offseason yeah. um, if the Raptors decide to give Fred Van Vliet that Mal- Malcolm Brogdon money they will have to if they're trying to legitimately chase Giannis in 2021 they're going to have to they're going to have to get money somewhere. They're going to have to wiggle around uh, that salary cap. They're going to have to do something. I have faith, though, in Masai Ujiri, so yeah. I will say that. Speaking of team needs, let's shift over to that to that area to look at. 
obviously, we just mentioned the first need for the Toronto Raptors is to ideally re-sign Fred VanVleet and Serge Ibaka and potentially Marcus Saul. Right? Again, Marcus Saul maybe if he takes. I say minimum. potentially, and like the way I've been structuring the money kind of thing, I would honestly I would re-sign Fred because Fred's gonna want a long-term deal. That's understandable. Being an undrafted, you know, he played just played on a two-year deal, um, so he'd want a four-year deal. But sir, if we can sign Serge for a short-term deal. For le- a slightly less than what he's making now, we can make it work. And I mean, then, a three-year deal would not be bad for Serge. I would do a one plus one with Serge. If he wants to do a two plus one, we can do a two plus one. The his- issue is that Serge knows he's also, you know, on the wrong side of thirty yeah. at this point. So it depends on what his goals are as well. Does he does he value winning more? Because he honestly, Serge can get the twenty-five, thirty, twenty-five million dollar contract from another team. Like a Charlotte or anything, any team that has money to throw. Also, I think Toronto has, like, if you look at Serge Ibaka and listen to him too, I think Toronto has also become a very, it's become home for him. He he loves it here. Honestly, like, because he's built his brand on and off the court here. Plus, Won Toronto, a championship here. We, you know, I think the American media doesn't think about it that way. But, you know, you're talking about one of the biggest media markets in the world. It, Toronto is one of them, right? No, Toronto's a big city. Like, it's, it's. A very big city. A lot of media coverage is here. Now, yeah, because it's basketball, you don't really see... The American media doesn't really see that coverage. But, yeah, no, Surge is a big part it's, of it. It's a big market. Yeah. I think it would be... It's ideal for Surge, I think, to resign. It just depends on contractually what his goals are. Yeah. And so, like, if Mark would like to resign for, like, the minimum level... Uh, minimum or, like, a two, maybe three million dollar contract, I would take that. But yeah, it all really depends. But re-signing the Fred and Surge is priority number one for the Raptors. Second thing I think they need to look at is obviously reshoring up the depth. The first, obviously, is looking for a backup big, especially if you lose one of Surge or Mark. You need to get another backup. And again, Chris Boucher, as much as he, as great as he was in our developmental system, I don't think he's going to be a consistent enough backup for us to play at a championship level. He has his limitations. He does have his limitations, which is the problem with him. Um, But I think getting a backup big is super important. Or even a guard. You know, I I really notice that the Raptors are kind of thinning out at the guard position. Like, our really, our main option coming off the bench from guard is Norman Powell. You know, and not to mention... Well, Terrence Davis can change that, I think. Terrence Davis and Matt Thomas are are in the rotation, definitely there, but it depends. I think the real hope is for Terrence Davis, because obviously Matt Thomas has his limits, right? Come on, Terrence Davis... We're talking about Matt Thomas here, future J.J. Redick. Mr. 99. 99.8. Come on, man, 99%, man. You you can't shoot 100%. He shot 100% in Game 7. 100%. That is true. No, he doesn't get the name. Um, yeah, Ice I think Man for I think the main hope is that Terrence Davis further. Obviously, it was only his first season, so I think maybe hopefully giving like giving him two more years to develop. I think hopefully he can, you yeah. know, become something for them because he doesn't physically he doesn't have the any sort of limitations really. Yeah, no, I I think again a point I was about to mention is that the Raptors really doesn't have, don't really have size at the guard position, which is something that, that is, which is something that hurt them in against Boston because. Boston would put a guy like Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown on Kyle Lowry or Fred VanVleet, and that really limited them as far in their effectiveness. And again, they're good, they're great players. They are able to fight over bigger, bigger defenders. But yeah, a bigger, a bigger guard is something that I think uh, the Raptors should look into. Obviously, another type of player. The Raptors always need these type of players, but they need a they need a wing player, man. Obviously, Rondé was that t- sort of wing player to back up OG Ananobi. 
But I would ideally look into getting another one, especially if you can't find another guard. Well, the problem is everyone needs exactly. wing players right now, right? That, yeah. So, I think. Yeah. I mean, if we can, if the Raptors can get one, I think that would be great. But, um, yeah. yeah, everyone needs wing players nowadays. So Yeah. Uh, obviously, and the last thing, I think the last need the Raptors have to address, internal improvement, especially from their two cornerstone pieces, their cornerstone young players in Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi. We want to see these guys taking taking more steps in their development, especially Pascal. He's had his first season on, as a as a main guy under his belt. It's time to take that next level. I think who said it? Nick Nurse said it best on I think it was on ESPN, where he basically said that it's sure you're an all star this year, but you got to keep you got to repeat and do it again and again. That's when you know you're. That's how you. Yeah, on the, he said that on the jump. Yeah, that's how you establish yourself in this league. I think also yeah, Pascal Siakam. We all know he got killed for his. Uh, yeah. You know, his bubble well. performance. He did not play well. He would be the first one to say that. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, I think from if you look at the beginning of the year to when the season stopped, I think he was he was very, very good. No, um, I mean, he was an all-star for a reason. Obviously, the bubble really killed his year. Yeah. I think the ending of it. And the pause, the stop. But again, it, it, is, it was his first year as a first option. You take the ups and downs that come with it. I think someone who was really impressive for me was OG Anobi because there are questions about what he can actually become but the steps that he's taken this season in terms of on the offensive end especially expanding his handle driving more creating off the dribble yeah. his three point shooting is legit now he doesn't right? shoot the miss remember that yeah exactly he facts. does not shoot the facts. miss <laughs> facts I mean he basically saved our season so no OG is, and like getting improvement from these guys is Another priority for the Raptors. Terrence Davis, another one. Matt Thomas. Yeah, obviously, again, we're talking about internal improvement with the entire team, but these two guys in particular are our cornerstone pieces that we want them to continue to develop. Uh, obviously, moving over, moving forward into the draft, it is the offseason, so the draft will be part of it. You know, the Raptors, honestly, I feel like their draft is kind of boring nowadays. Like, they, find, they tend to find better undrafted players than drafted yeah, players. Yeah, the Raptors... Don't really do anything yeah. in their draft. The Raptors are going to have a late first round pick. Like, they're going to have a late first round pick. I'd personally look into trading it for assets, especially if that means freeing up some salary cap. I would definitely look into it. Like, again, I'll go into a potential trade or two that I'm... I I, I think it will be interesting to explore. But yeah, there, there's not really much on the draft, honestly. I, I was going to look into players, but who cares? It's a late first round pick in a weak draft class. Which brings us to the free agents section. Who like what play, what type of players should the Raptors be actually looking for in free agency? Now, obviously, we'd scour the potential free agents. It's a weak free agency, man. Like, Again, it comes down to everyone's geared up towards next season's free agency. Yeah. Obviously, um, but there are there are, there are a few you know I guess diamond in the rough. There, there's there's some good names depending on if the money can work and if we can we can probably sign them onto one year deals. The first player we got to bring back the Raptor legend Bizback Biombo. You know, Bismag. Bismag. He was big in that 2016 season. He got that block. Yes, it was a block, not a foul. That was a you block. Know, who was it on? LeBron. LeBron. Yes, it was on LeBron. LeBron uh, tried Lebron? to slam that too, and that was a block. And of course, the rest called a foul. Yeah, you breathe on LeBron as a foul. <laughs> Let's be real. But yeah, no, Bismag Biombo in his one season with the Raptors, absolute legend. I think the fans loved him here. He loved again it here. more than his on-court production was that what he brought. You know, chemistry-wise, off yeah. the court, um, he he was a great presence. I think for for a team that really needed. It. I think at this point, the team's gotten a lot better of a 
culture and whatnot. Yeah. By the time where there's a bunch of young guys and whatnot and yeah. a bunch of inexperienced, I think a guy like Bismack Biombo really helped out. And Bismack's got his money, man. Like Bismack, he has he's got all his money. He would t- I think he would take a minimum deal to win in Toronto. He knows he can win in Toronto. Shout out Orlando, bro. Bro, Orlando Damn. paid that man and he took that money. I mean, like again, like we knew that offseason we were gonna keep Bismack. <laughs> yeah. That man he played too well to not get a good contract. But yeah, Bismack Biombo would definitely be interesting. And also I wanna see a front court with him and Surge. You you already know Nick Nurse will do that. That would be fun. That'd African be fun. front court. Pascal, him, and Sergio. You <laughs> that would already, be fun. You already know he's gonna do that. So yeah, Bismack Biombo is definitely a name I think the Raptors should look into. Uh, another one, although I'm doubtful it's gonna happen. Yeah, no, it's not gonna happen. It's it's obviously financially he's gonna cost up too much, but the team he's already with is probably gonna resign him. It's the, Jeremy Grant. Um, he's one of those. He's he's honestly one of those valuable three and D guys in this league. He plays multiple. Well, positions. the three is a bit off at he times, a, but he's a good defender. He's very multiple di- positions. Multiple dif- uh positions. He's a good rim runner, slasher. Yeah, like well, not slasher, but he's a good cutter. He's I a think. he's a great like Swiss Army knife, like a rotation player, and a lot of teams would want to have him. Like Denver. Denver will resign him. Yeah, Denver will probably him. resign him because again, he's he was a big part of their team. Um, so yeah, that's another name, but if the Raptors can get their hands on him, he's a good pickup. And here's the, here's my trade idea. This is the idea that I wanted to pose. I think we, we brought it up an episode or two ago, but I wanted to revisit it. It's Victor Oladipo. Victor Oladipo is an interesting name that's been brought up around the Raptors a couple of times, especially in the case of, you know, if Fred Van Vliet wants to leave. Well, here's the thing. You, now you could argue the best case scenario to get a Victor Oladipo would be to sign and trade Fred Van Vliet. That works as far as value is concerned, but here's the thing: if I'm Indiana, I want to like I want to save money. That's the whole reason why you're trading that like, you'd get rid of Victor Oladipo because you don't want to pay him. I if I people will think I'm crazy, but I would honestly do this: Norman Powell, Pat McCaw, a first and a second for Oladipo. No, I would do it. No, I would not do that. I would do it. I would not do that. If bro. if there's a potential for me, because if we get Oladipo, and let's say Giannis looks at that, and Giannis is like. Okay, they got Lowry. They yeah, got but that's people. a lot of hypotheticals. They got man. Fred. That's a championship team. Would you be honest? That's I, a, I, I'd do it. That's a lot of hypotheticals. Okay. Not to mention that Victor Oladipo is on a one year. Okay, may, maybe he's the, a, he's a rental. Maybe at the this extra point. second round pick is kind of a little extra, but my problem with that is he is a rental. First of all, second of all, at least I know what production I'm getting from Norman Powell. Even if it's not, you know, to the potential that Victor Oladipo is, at least I still know what I'm getting from Norman Powell. I don't know what I'm getting from Victor Oladipo at this point. I mean, right? either, like honestly, if I can still get eighty percent of what he was, it's definitely a worth it, man. I I, I yeah, definitely nah, look into it, man. He's I, a I really good player. Uh, but Oladipo is another one. Obviously, again, I don't think we'll we'll, we'll get a guy like this. But Hassan Whiteside, although some do you really want him? Not really. <laughs> yeah, I, I was just looking him. for centers, and I'm like, yo, if this guy, if this guy takes a minimum deal, I might. No, take he's him gonna off. get. I think he'll get a decent contract because of how he played for the Blazers. I'm not paying this man twenty mil. Sorry. Listen, no, definitely not twenty. Do not mil. put his hands up on defense. Get but, out. But um, you know, despite all the criticisms for Hassan Whiteside this season, when he tries, he was pretty decent for the Blazers. He was when he good. tries. Yeah, well, when he tries. Again, it is a contract year, so of course he's gonna <laughs> of try. Of course he tried. Yeah. Uh, but again, he was pretty decent for them, so. I think the team will yeah. give him some decent money. Yeah. And again, another player that's a little doubtful, but we might be able to pull something is Jay Crowder. Uh, again, Jay Crowder, we've, we've talked about him in other offseason outlooks. He's just that type of player, that veteran player that every team wants. Uh, and finally, Robert Covington is a potential trade option, especially with Houston's turmoil. 
Houston might be sellers to free up some space. Robert Covington's a pretty solid pickup. You know, the issue is that if Robert Covington becomes available, twenty nine other teams are gonna run out. That yeah, that, that's 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 right? the problem. So. Yeah, so honestly speaking, the Raptors, there are a few free agent names that they can possibly go after, but it's not a ton of options. The main thing they need to do is re-sign their guys, try to run it back, maintain as much cap space as possible for 2021, and hopefully, well, I mean, I'm not I'm not saying hopefully anymore. Masai's got the plan in motion, Giannis at Toronto 2021. That's what Facts. we all hoping for. Facts. But yeah, no, Raptors, are, they have questions, but if anyone can get it done, man, in Masai we trust. Uh, moving on to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Now, I don't think their questions are as interesting or as intense as, for example, the Raptors are. Um, I don't think their situation is... Partly because of the fact that their situation is not as flexible as the Raptors. Yeah. Um, meaning, this next season, OKC is pretty much cap-strapped into $107 million. So, yeah. As a rebuilding team, that's not great. Again, exactly. They were they were supposed to be. I don't even think Sam Presti thought they would be this good, right? Yeah, I don't think they were supposed to be a rebuilding team, quote unquote. But they were just good enough to get to that fifth seed. Um, so again, their situation is a bit more questionable um, because of the fact that it really depends on what they want to do. Like what? What direction they want exactly. to go? Exactly, they have options. Whereas the Raptors, it's kind of like they kind of have to be contenders. The Thunder, they can choose the tank if they really want to. Like they don't necessarily have to be contenders. The main thing is for um, the OKC Thunder, and we'll get into this afterwards a bit too. Is that Chris Paul contract? Yeah. When they choose to decide, you know, when they when they want to decide what to do with that Chris Paul contract, when I to think, trade it? Well how they can trade it first of all right um but whenever they figure out what exactly they want to do with it um i think is when their direction becomes a lot clearer and then you can kind of anticipate what they want to do again i don't think that will happen this year um but then once next year he has that one year left it de- Unless, for some reason, he declines it. But I doubt he would decline a $44 million option. I mean, there has been rumors that the Lakers are interested in making a move for Chris Paul. Milwaukee. And, like, Milwaukee. I mean, I see the Lakers as more of a viable option. Because they have, you know, guys like Danny Green, a bucket like Kuzma. And, like, you know, some other pieces that they can throw in there. Um, so, I mean, the Lakers getting getting their hand on Chris Paul gets the, th- gets the thunder off the hook. Yeah. Not a bad idea. Um... But I think in terms of this offseason, what they have to do in terms of their notable team free agents, number one is Danilo Gallinari for, you know, that's, I think, their first big question mark. Um, Danilo Gallinari... He had a good season. He had a very good season. Past two seasons, actually, he's been very good. Danilo Gallinari has always been that guy who's a fringe all-star. But the problem is he's never been able to stay, stay on the court. He can't, he yeah, can't stay he healthy. Can't, he can't stay healthy. Credit to him, though. He did was, relative, was relatively healthy for his standards this season. And last season as well yeah. for the Clippers. Yeah. Um, so Danilo Gallinari, I'll get into it a bit afterwards, too. Um, he's definitely the first biggest name on their team free agent list. The next one, I think, will have been a bigger name a couple of years ago, but just, again, injured. Um, Andre Roberson. This girl taught him how to shoot. <laughs> Andre Roberson, listen, like he was he was an all defensive player a couple yeah. years ago. 
Um, you can't help but feel bad for this guy. Dude, that injury um, was brutal, man. He could have cashed in, bro. He could have cashed in. Um, problem is he got injured, and then, you know, for the past two years, he's been pretty much out. Um, but again, I think he... This, um, you know, this bubble provided him a good opportunity because it showed, you know, at least what he could do, possibly. You know, those couple of games that he came back, he was shooting the ball well. Um, he looked better. Didn't he hit like three threes in a, in a game in the bubble? Yeah, he he won them the game. Him and Mike Muscala, I think it was against Philadelphia that they won them the game. I remember because um, I tweeted out his girl talking about his shoe. <laughs> yeah, that's the right I'm sorry, game. that is the funniest thing ever. And I, I feel bad to keep on doing it, but you don't have to with Andre Bro, Robinson. Bro, that's the running meme with Andre Robertson. But the point is, he was a good player, a very good defensive player. Um... I think the issue is teams will probably take a flyer on him, maybe a short-term contract, see what he can do, um, you know, recovering from that brutal injury. Like, obviously, the bubble was kind of, like, his feeling out period on, like, how, like, again, that was, like, his first in-game action in, like, two years. So, like, it, it, he's going to look rusty. So, But I think there's definitely, I what, what I saw was definitely something there. He's not moving as quickly. Obviously, he's being a little bit more cautious, but the shooting is, is well improved from before. He's still a decent playmaker. The fact that he was willing to shoot it that much showed me that at least his... He got his confidence. The mental side of his um, play was not affected as much as I feared it would be, I think. For and what. he's not even that old of a player. So he's not like a super old guy that he can't come back from. What is he, like 26, 27? Around that, yeah. yeah. So like again, he's not... like He's just entering the prime of his career. So he has some time to... And again, we've seen players come back from tough injuries. Sean Livingston, for one, is the you yeah. know one off the top of my head that I really remember. I mean, if and we're talking, great. If we're talking recently. Gordon Hayward after that broken leg. Exactly. Right. Uh, another name for them is Nerlens Noel. I think this is also a very interesting player. That is interesting. Uh, because of the fact that he is your backup to Stephen Adams, um, he is a good defender. Um, offensively is where the issues lie, though. I would say on that side of the court, he has also gone better. You know, being able to score around the basket. Um, obviously, he was always that lob threat guy. But he found a role in OKC, which is something that he couldn't find in, like, Dallas and bro Philly. I guess I have to bring it up every time we talk about Nerlens Noel. But, bro, I don't know how much I would regret it uh, if I pass up on a $72 million deal. <laughs> oh, yes, he did. Bro, oh, come on, Dallas is man. so lucky that he, that he didn't sign that, man. Because well, they, they made up for that by uh, their Chandler Parsons one. Oh, I mean, well, I'll just say they, they got their big of the future in Boban, so they're set. Facts, bro. Boban is a goal. But, yeah, Nerlens Noel, though, for what he is right now, he's very, I think, good rotational piece, a bench piece. If you need to throw him into the starting lineup at times, also a, a guy you can do that with. And then finally, we have a couple of players down the down the rotation players. Uh, Mike Muscala has his player option for around $2.7 million, I think it is. Um, Abdul Nader, um, a team option. And then Hamidou Diallo, also a, another young player with a team option. Um, so I guess that rounds out their notable team free agents. Um, again, not much they can do. But these are some interesting names for them to decide on what, uh, you know, what how they want to proceed. Especially determining the direction, like as a franchise, like, like you could run it back, bring back Danilo. You have CP, Andre, run it back, see if you can be a, be a playoff team again. Well, that's where we get into the team needs. So as I talked about before, OKC is very cap strapped. 
they're they're at the hard cap um at 107 million dollars guaranteed for this yeah, season. Yeah, that's a little high. Right? That that's that's only a tiny bit high, right? Not not <laughs> too not too high. Yeah, uh, for, for for billionaires that's nothing. Yeah. It's like a um, dollar. They already used I think their mid-level exp- exception and all that. So pretty much their contract situation is what it is oh, right now. Oh, and OKC is not a very rich town. It's actually a pretty small place. So how much how much are they willing to go over the taxes? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a question. The ownership has been notoriously cheap. Ask James Harden. Again, that that move will kill them for many many years until until yep. they can get a ring. Um, but for them, I think from a team standpoint, they need some more talented wings. Now they they have some decent wings. Obviously, you're talking about Lou Dort. I think is the one saving grace for them. Um, yeah, that maybe he can become a young undrafted player. He can become you know one of the best defenders in the league. He's already climbing that trajectory. Um, and then obviously if the offensive side comes around uh, but in terms of their small forwards it's not like they're extremely talented I think they have some like okay rotation pieces but in terms of Terrence Ferguson Darius Baisley is a I think interesting young player like I hated him right but what he showed me in the bubble was that he has a lot of potential I think he played great for them in the bubble um, and that really made me change my opinion of Darius Baisley. Obviously, I know he's a rookie, so like you know, the struggles are gonna come with it. But um, is he really that good? I mean, like, the, the issue I lie. had with him was mostly his on-court decisions, like his shot selection and whatnot. Not the fact that obviously he's gonna miss shots and you know all of that because that comes with the rookie territory. But I think the shot selection and that. But I think in the bubble, he really impressed me. Um, but again, Terrence Ferguson, Darius Baisley, uh, Hamidou Diallo, like these guys are. You know, okay, young players, I guess, end of the line bench players. Uh, but, you know, you would like some better talent in that position. Um, as we were talking about before, Nerlens Noel, uh, you do need a big man to back up Steven Adams, um, especially if Nerlens Noel does not come back. I think that situation uh, also has to be resolved. I think depth is what you're trying to get out of it. They definitely need, like, they could use an upgrade on the depth side of things, but at the other side, is like, if they are going to rebuild, they still have young players. Well, their like, guard situation is pretty good. I will say that. I think their guard situation oh, yeah, is pretty dude. good. Oh, yeah, dude. But in terms of the wings and then the big man depth, I think that's where they could need Dude, to we were talking about how Shea, Shea Gildas Alexander is making $9 million in the next two seasons. Yeah. That's, you know, that's combined. A that's, a, that's combined for both years. You're making $9 million total. Yeah. Dude, what um, a steal. Getting into the more specifics of things, um, as we were talking about before, Danilo Gallinari, if they want to re-sign him, they're going to have to do some creative stuff. I don't know how they're going to pull it off because pretty much their only options contractually to free up money is Mike Muscala's player option, uh, Abdul Nader and Hamidou Diallo, their expiring contracts. Um, again, com- that only combines to $6 million around though. Yeah. So I don't think you're unless Danilo Gallinari wants a six million dollar contract this <laughs> yeah, year. Yeah, I don't think you don't think six million. I don't think played. that's gonna happen. Um, so yeah, like I don't I don't know how you would bring back Gallinari. And again, Gallinari, I, I think he might he, Miami. He'll probably go to Miami. He'll probably. I think that's Miami. my prediction. But if one saving grace would be there, there are so many ways for NBA franchises to make contract work. Look at Golden State. Like, I know it's a really stupid example, but, like, they were able to make all that talent work with, like, $200 million contracts with Steph, uh, Kevin Durant's big deal. Like, they, there are ways to make it work. 
Again, I think to. the issue with Golden State is uh, the salary cap boom for them at the exact right time they yeah, need. Yeah, it doesn't right? necessarily help the COVID kind of. Also, the fact that they're they're playing Dream on Green on that cheap contract, and then Steph Curry now he's and Clay were on their cheap contracts as well, right? So I think it worked. It worked perfectly as well as it possibly could for Golden State side of things and Bob Myers. Um, I think the real question in terms of um, OKC is not what they'll do actually this offseason because, again, they're kind of limited to what they can do. It's about next offseason. Obviously, everyone's gunning for, again, the 2021 offseason. OKC does have some options for, you know, what they want to do next offseason. Um, they're committed to $65 million guaranteed for next season um, because of the fact that this year is Dennis Schroeder and... Uh, Steven Adams is last year's on their contract. So shooters in for 15.5 million this season um, And Steven Adams is on his last year of his huge contract where he's making 27.5 this season That's a big number again. It depends. I mean, they have really good, but Damn, it's flexibility for next year, right? So I think it really depends on what they want to do and obviously they have Chris Paul's player option for 44 million dollars yeah, I that, do, I he, doubt he would decline that, right? I mean, if he somehow did, then well, that that gives you a lot more again, flexibility. Again, it all it all depends on if how much Chris Paul really wants to win that ring, and and he's a competitive guy, so he might. Crazier things have happened, like he might opt out. I how likely will he say no to forty four mil? I, I mean, he. I think somebody already asked him this, and he was like, "Yo, I'd be crazy to decline forty plus." Mil. I mean, he he did kind of create the supermax for himself. Let's be real. (laughs) Like, if anyone's gonna take advantage of the money, it's gonna be him. Yeah. Um, I think that's an interesting plan. I think we can get into that another time. But I think the supermax idea is dead in the next year. Yeah, that's 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 gonna die. That better die. Um, moving on to their draft picks. Um, they do have the twenty fifth overall pick in this year's draft. Uh, which is from their from the Denver trade. The Jeremy Grant trade. Yeah. Um, so again. This draft isn't great. We're not going to, you know, get into it, especially if it's a late first-round pick. But I think the point for them is that they do have a billion picks coming up. Dude, they have... the Clippers. I think they have at least, like, nine, ten... They have around ten, if I'm not mistaken. It's a lot of picks. And some of them are unprotected first-rounders. Some of them are pick swaps. Uh, Houston and the Clippers, man. Listen, bro, Sam Presti pulled off a good pick situation for them. For both Westbrook and Paul George, way off P, pandemic P. Like, yeah, man. Damn, the the Clippers, the Clippers better win next year. But I think, um, you know, in terms of draft, I think it is what it is for OKC. Um, and then some potential free agents they could get. Again, OKC barely has any room as it is. Um, if you want to start out with Daniel Gallinari, can you make it work? I don't think so. But if they are that desperate for him, they can do something maybe. Um, Andre Roberson, I think if I'm OKC, I want to bring him back um, just because of the fact that I want to see what he can do. You know, if he can get to that stage where he was like a couple years ago, mm-hmm. I mean, that would be great. If not, he can be a, you know, serviceable end of the bench kind of player. You know, maybe do something for, for the you. minimum, maybe I'd bring him back. Or if I mean, I days. doubt he'll command a big, he'll probably get, you know, short term, maybe a couple million dollars. Um, he's not going to take a big contract, obviously. You know, um, again, Mike Muscala, you do have his, uh, he has his player option. Yeah, he has his player option. So, I mean, if you want to bring him back, again, we're talking about big man depth. You know, a, a stretch big man, 
you know, can do a little bit for you on offense. You can throw him in for a couple minutes. Uh, Not going to be much defensively, though. Yeah. Uh, speaking of defense, Bismack Biyombo, Um will he take a minimum contract? The, I don't know. The question Maybe. is, does he want to play in Oklahoma City, though? Because, see, again, Bismack, like, we mentioned Bismack for the Raptors. I think he'd be more inclined to go for a contender, honestly, at this stage in his career. Yeah. No, that would make sense. But again, if OKC wants another, you know, like good locker room presence, yeah, a guy yeah, that you guy. know knows his role, doesn't go outside of his role for the minimum, for the minimum, uh, a depth guy. If you want Stephen Adams off the bench, with, with more with more personality, go for go for go for Bismack. That's okay, that's a stretch. That's a stretch and a half. Let's be real. Like without that, the passing. Well, I'm talking about the locker without, room. I'm not talking about the locker okay, room. Okay, locker presence. room. Okay, yeah. Like that. It's, it's that's what you're getting basically. Um. Even though I think Steven Adams has great locker room presence in his own right. Um, and then ending off with Alex Lynn, Chris Boucher. Uh, you talked about Chris Boucher a bit. But again, more big man depth, you know, that can do a bit on Alex Lynn and Chris Boucher on both sides of the ball a bit. Um, again, OKC doesn't have that many options for this offseason. Um, but I think they're trying to gear towards next offseason and where well, that, where they'll really decide what direction they want to go. It in. also starts off with them finding a coach because they don't have a coach right now because Billy Donovan obviously went and now, now has, has a job with, with Chicago. But yeah, the, the Thunder needs to find their coach and find their direction pretty soon before this offseason begins. And uh, figure out what Chris Paul wants to do. Pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, a lot of options there. But, yeah. So, those were our off-season outlooks for the Raptors and the Thunder. Uh, let us know what you guys think on social media. You know, if you agree or disagree, let us know. Uh, moving on into the up and under segment to, for this week. And, man, there was a lot of news, man. There was. Dude, there was a lot right after news. we stopped recording la- in last week's episode, we had news. And I always hate it when that happens. Yeah. So, obviously, the first one. Are you up or under on the billions of coaching hires that were ha- that happened around the league? First of which, Tyron Lue is now the new head coach for the Los Angeles Clippers with a notable assistant coach. He brought in Chauncey Billups as an assistant. Uh, Nate Bjorkren, a former assistant for the Toronto Raptors, is now the new head coach of the Indiana Pacers. Stan Van Gundy is the new head coach of the New Orleans Pelicans. And obviously, we didn't mention this last week. We probably should have. But Doc, I think we forgot about it. I'm pretty sure we forgot about it. But Doc Rivers is the new head coach of the of the Philadelphia 76ers, with Dave Yeager actually jumping on to be be an assistant on his staff. So are you up or under on these hires? Um, I'm mixed to be honest. I think I'm up. I'm up on the Nate Bjorken. Um, shout out Nate Bjorken, man. Want to chip with Toronto? You know, was with Nick Nurse for like 30 years. Pretty much. Um, now he's a head coach in the NBA. Actually, I'm up on all of them except for the Ty Lue hire. Yo, Nick, N- Nick Nurse has a head coaching tree. Take that in. <laughs> Yo, if Adrian Griffin and stuff all get a job too. Dude. That's the Nick Nurse head coaching tree. We're the Spurs of the East. <laughs> it's official. If we get some more championships, I think we can say that. Don't worry. Um, it's coming. But I think I'm pretty, I'm up on all the hires except for Ty Lue. Again, I don't think we want to get more into Ty Lue's situation. We've ranted about Ty Lue enough. Yeah. I mean, um, the Clippers, gotta, the Clippers again, a coaching team is not going to fix that team. Let's be real. It was pretty much down to Sam Cassell or Ty Lue. Man, I would have liked, liked to see Sam Cassell with that opportunity. But, again, it it doesn't make complete – I mean, it makes kind of sense from their point of view. Um, where yes. You know, they have talent. They don't really need that much – on court, they just need a guy that can manage those locker room presences. Um, I think that's where Ty Lue's strength is. 
Um, Chauncey Billups having his first coaching job, um, I think is very interesting. Nate Bjorken, uh, Pacers definitely got a good one. Yeah, he got, they got a good one. Yeah, they definitely got a good one. Sean Nate Bjorken. Um, he'd been working for a long time, you know, working with Nick Nurse, mm-hmm. you know, coaching against Nick Nurse um, in the D-League. Um, I'm excited to see what he can do on the Pacers. Stan Van Gundy, I think, is an interesting one. That is very interesting to me. So, what I've looked at for the Stan Van Gundy hire, and I'm again, I'm in the middle of this one. I understand why they did it. It's a very safe hire as far as all the candidates are going to be. Because apparently, according to Windhorst, the reported other candidates are were all younger first that would be first time head coaches. And the Pelicans, David Griffin, wanted to bring in a veteran head coach, someone who has experience at least commanding a locker room and creating a culture. And Stan Van Gundy can do that. And also another notable thing, I think who brought this up? Kendrick Perkins, I think, brought this up. Yeah, I'm quoting Kendrick Perkins. Here we are. Welcome to 2020. Uh, but Hey, at least Kendrick Perkins is only one of the only people to actually show Toronto respect. He did, he did. And Charles Barkley. Don't forget about Charles well, Barkley. Well, Charles Barkley said we... Not this season, last season. He gave us respect. Yeah, this well, season, he pretty he's much Charles, He's Charles Barkley. Uh, but basically what, what Perk was trying to say was that the similar situation is very similar between Dwight Howard when he was young, coming in as a big star, you know, a big guy, and Zion Williamson. And you saw what Stan Van was able to do with Dwight. Maybe he can do something similar with Zion. But yeah. it, it's also not going to be the type of relationship where, you know, Stan's going to put his arm around Zion and be like, hey, man, <laughs> yeah, we're going to do everything your way. No, Stan's going to be like, yo, you're going to do shit my way, but I'm going to make you a star. Yeah. Um, and then Doc Rivers, listen, we have our criticisms about Doc Rivers. But in terms of Philly team, I think there's only a certain number of people that you could go to. Yeah, I think Doc Rivers is one of the best choices, despite the fact that I'm not a big fan of his. Uh, this is probably one of the better choices they could make, considering, considering first of all, El- Elton Brand's time limit that he has and how he has to yeah, get the, stuff the clock done. Is yeah. for him. Elton Brand's clock. Um, and then, obviously, the team has a hold of their clock in terms of, you know, they got to start winning. I mean... Let's be real. The one thing about Doc Rivers is he, he's going to tell Joel Embiid to stop being a fool on the court. When this man is flopping like an idiot, Doc is going to get up on his ass. That's what I want to see. Personally. I want to see how he'll try to make the Ben Simmons Embiid duo work. And shout out Dave Yeager. I just wanted to see him back in the league. Yeah, apparently Kings players hated him. So eh, we'll see about him. Yeah, he's uh, next up, are you up around under on Daryl Morey stepping down as the Rockets GM? Effective what October first? I mean November first? Uh, who knows? Uh, he did say he's gonna help the Rockets uh, bring in their next guy, uh, but yeah, after that he's stepping down. Yeah, I'm. I'm look, I, I hate like as much as I hate seeing guys lose their jobs and like step down from positions, but this was deserved. It's I'm up on it. He tried a bunch of stuff, and it none of it worked out, and now the Rockets are in probably a very horrible situation. Well, he walked out at the right time. Oh, he definitely I'll say did. That. This he, guy, he, <laughs> this guy he, dipped he at the right. He created a shit show and he left. <laughs> this guy got his money, made a mess, and dipped. And um, now he left one of the cheapest owners in Tillman Fertino. Yeah. <laughs> paying two guys over 30, 50, like nine, over close to $80 million. Not to mention, again, as I've said enough times, I hate Daryl Morey. Not because of who he is as a guy. I don't have anything against him. But just because of what he created in the NBA. Listen, I'm a guy who grew up on 2000s basketball. And in terms of the whole era now of chuck threes or just a rim run and force a layup. And absolutely ignore the mid-range, especially in the playoffs where mid-range becomes a comp- uh, vital yeah. part of your success. I'm just not a fan of the NBA that he created. Not Again, nothing against the guy Him personally. and Golden State kind of really did that. 
Because again, like Mori was the one saying, nah, I'm we're going to try to beat Golden State. Yeah. Um, I think Golden State just did that because of their personnel. Because Steph Curry and stuff all still took mid-range. It's Daryl Mori who really instituted this three and, you know, efficiency era. I mean, he was very analytical. And again, Daryl Mori tried a bunch of things. Which again, credit to him for trying thing, trying new things and progressing the game forward. But, yeah. Next yeah. up, are you up or under on Jeff Van Gundy, Steven Silas, John Lucas uh, being the top three candidates for the next Rockets head coaching job? Uh, I'm in the middle. I mean, I don't know what I'm going to get from Jeff Van Gundy. Steven Silas, I don't know much about. John Lucas, I hear he's been in developmental. but He's been their developmental guy. Again, he had previous coaching experience. Did not go that great. Again, kind of. It is what it is. Let's be real. All the big names are kind of already off the board. Well, I mean, so, Jeff Van Gundy, I think, is a big name. Jeff Van Gundy, but he's been, he's been the big name every single For, country. like, what, the past 10 years or whatever? Dude, like, he's... So, I mean, it would be nice to see Jeff Van Gundy back, but, nah, none of these names are eye-popping for me. To fix, to fix the Houston mess, I don't know who will be able to do that. The question is, will James Harden start taking some mid-range jumpers? Yeah, we'll see. That all I hope he does. Uh, moving on. Are you up or under on the... Golden State Warriors and the Lakers being the two teams interested in Dwight Howard. Um, I'm up on it. I think he would be a good fit for either team. Shout out Dwight. Now yeah. you got teams wanting you. Yeah, you you saw what he what a presence and um what he meant to the Lakers in this championship run, both on the court, off the court. Um, so I think that would be a good thing for either team, and he would fit well um for both teams. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Next up, are you up or under on the Milwaukee Bucks being interested in Bogdan Bogdanovich, who is a restricted free agent? Um, it's definitely interesting. I mean, I'm I'm up on it, but I don't know how they're gonna make it work though. Just from the fact that like I don't see them like like how are you gonna put up an offer that the Kings aren't gonna match? And second of all, is like you now have two guys in Chris Middleton and. Bogdan, Bogdan, but you need the ball. So you're going to play Bogdan off the bench? My issue with this is that you had a guy and that did everything that Bogdan Bogdanovich does <laughs> for you and more and who was better, yet you decided not to pay him. And I'm you talking about Malcolm out. Brogdon. And you saw what he did in Indiana Ultimate this year. cheap out, man. Like, you chose Eric Bledsoe over Malcolm Brogdon. Jeez. Okay, yeah, that, that's, that's rough, man. When you put it like that, it's like, yo, they just made the... Bro, Listen, I know Eric Bledsoe had a smaller contract. I get that. But come on, man. Learn like, now they're trying to trade Eric Bledsoe. Learn OKC's mistake. Don't cheap out on star players. Just just don't. When you have a good player, you pay the guy. You know? Uh, yeah. So I, I don't know. I'm kind of in the middle. I'm indifferent on, on the Bucks being interested in Bogdanovich. Because I don't know how it's going to work. Uh, moving on. Are you up or under on the Clippers? The, the Clipper players, uh, you know, saying that most of the reasons for the, you know, the... Chemistry issues kind of surrounded around them not liking Kawhi's preferential treatment. And according to Tyron Liu, it was the chemistry really suffered because of absences, not personal feelings. Um, I guess I'm, I'm up on it, I guess. I don't know. I'm under on it. What the hell do you think was going to happen? <laughs> Bro, what did you, exactly? What did you think? Apparently, the Clippers, namely Lou Will and Montrez Hero. Um, yeah, I'm talking again, about we're talking. We've talked about the situation a lot too. Lou Will, um, Montrezl Harrell, and Pat Bev. Yeah, so they didn't like Kawhi's preferential treatment and Paul George's preferential treatment. Okay, the Paul again George because of the thing. The thing is that you know we saw what they did in the previous year and how they overachieved as a team, and um, you know 
the, the their mentality was a very blue collar mentality. Whereas when they brought in those two guys in the off season, now the mentality shifted. I think you saw a lot of problems arise from that. Speaking to what Ty Lu said, uh, chemistry suffering because of absences and not personal feelings. I think this guy was trying to frame it in a way where it would dissolve blame. There's but no, this guy literally just said the exact same thing. Yeah, kind of. he just said the exact same thing, just with like professional verbiage. Um, but no, I mean, again, I'm talking to Ty, to uh, Lou Will and Montrez and Pat Bell. What the hell do you think was going to happen? You're getting Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Like, did you honestly think, like, and Kawhi Leonard just came off a season where he just load managed and made all these demands. Did you honestly think this guy was not going to think? Get whatever you yeah, want. Yeah, man, with Uncle Dennis and whatnot, bro. Dude, Uncle like, Dennis, man. Let me talk Dennis. It is, it is what it is, man. Like, I don't, I don't, y'all better win a trip next season. You have what? to. What? <laughs> it's, it's next year. What's going to happen? Um, next up, are you up or under on Spencer Dinwiddie of the Brooklyn Nets saying that he views himself as their version of Draymond Green? Obviously, I don't know. People thought he was talking about in terms of on-court role, which, you know, why would he say that? He was pretty much talking about his, you know, glue guy presence um, and that kind of, you know, locker room presence. I mean, I guess I'm up on it. Like, I like the I like the attitude, obviously. I think, like, Spencer Dinwiddie is that type of guy who's like, I'll take a lesser role if it means we're going to win, which I think is what he's meaning by the whole Draymond Green thing. But... Dude, like, I personally... I think he's getting traded. Yeah, like, that's what... I mean, but personally, then you're just going to be the next guy traded. Like, honestly. I think I think he is the guy who's getting traded. But let's traded. be real. Draymond was in trade rumors, too. Yeah, but the thing was, Draymond was essential to what Golden State did. Yeah, I know. It, it, it's Spencer Dinwid- Dinwiddie is the guy that you can get somebody essential for what Brooklyn does for Spencer Dinwiddie. Yeah, is, is Dinwiddie right? really essential? Like, what do, Dinwiddie's role and whatnot overlaps on what Kyrie and... KD and Karis LeVert especially are going to do. Yeah. So what reason do you really have to keep Spencer Dinwiddie? You can get a guy, you know, a big man who can, you know, kind of be that glue guy for you on offense and on defense. So I think that's... Yeah. Yeah, I think he's going to get traded. Probably. Real talk. Uh, and finally, to end off the episode, are you up or under on the NBA and the NBPA extend their extension deadline to October 30th? And um, that means that we still won't know when we're going to play next season. I guess, yeah, I guess I'm under on that fact. Obviously, these guys aren't going to rush, you know, everything that's going on. Apparently, they also have to do audits on, on the whole league. That's determined yeah, that way. would make sense. Um, they kind of need to figure out what's going on. Uh, but I guess I'm under on it from a fan's point of view. Because yeah. I kind of know, I want to know. Well, I mean, I guess even... Obviously, the players more than us want to know. Oh, yeah, you players know, when like when coaches. they're gonna start. Um, How much money then, they're gonna have to work with? Like, I exactly. think they want to know. Like everything that's going on, I think. But I think the problem is it's unavoidable, right? Yeah. Everything that's happened, that's going on, um, it, especially right now. If like for us in Toronto, you know, we're seeing it pick back up, like all the problems and whatnot. Like you know, a lot of people were hoping that by the end of summer. Um, a lot of our problems would like go away, but again, it's yep. come back. That that didn't work out. <laughs> it, it did not work out. COVID, the problem uh, that never goes away. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it just sucks. It just means we have to wait a little bit longer to get the information that we want to know right now. But we're gonna have to wait and see. That's just that's just what it is right now. Um, and with that, that concludes this week's episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. A ton of like a ton of information in this one, like a ton of news, a ton of. Stop it, man. This is this is the off season. This is the craziness of, of an NBA off season right now. 
except in October, which is still weird. Very weird. It's still weird. But we hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Definitely subscribe to the show and all the various podcasting platforms. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio. Uh, wherever you can find a podcast, you can find us with the Up and Under Podcast. Also follow us on social media, Twitter and Instagram at up letter N under podcast, Facebook.com slash up and under podcast. For, you know, for, for updates whenever we post a new episode or a reaction to news as they occur. Also, check out our website, upandunderpodcast.com. It's our central hub for the show. If you want to read blog posts about every single episode, you can do so on the website. Or even, you know, take a look at all the episodes that we have posted. If you just want to listen to it off the website, you can do so there as well. Uh, and yeah, off-season craziness has begun. Uh, we're going to keep you guys updated as much as we can. But yeah, for, for now, that's it for this, this episode. We'll see you guys all in the next one. Take it easy. Easy. Uh...